Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time that we have. Thank you for keeping us safe and watching over us this past week. Thank you, Lord, for your watch care. And as we now come to study your word together this evening, we ask for a special blessing of your Holy Spirit to guide us and to lead us into all truth. We ask, Lord, that you would please grace us with thy presence, that we might understand a deeper understanding of faith and how you want to bless your people today. So lead us, O Lord, as we look at the story of Abraham. Open our ears, open our eyes, open our minds of understanding to help us to see these truths that you have hidden in the Word for us. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is the first, uh, I think this is the third or fourth lesson we've had in our new series in our Friday night care group studies together. And we've been going through Hebrews 11, for those that don't know. And we are now up to the character Abraham. So last week we studied about Noah. Now I want to invite you to turn your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 8 this evening. And there are two parts, if you haven't seen the title or the, the, the title of the, the video, it's part one. So there is a part two next week. I do want to encourage you to join us. But let's turn the Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 8. This is what the Bible says. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So look, in order to help us understand these few verses about Abraham and the beginning of his faith journey, we got to go back to Genesis chapter 12, where it all began. And then we'll, we'll come back here and interlace our understanding with the things that we're reading here in Hebrews 11 about Abraham. But let's turn our Bibles back to the very beginning there, Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1. This is the time when God first comes to Abraham and talks to him and we get, we'll, we'll read it. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. So look, when God first comes to Abraham, okay, he's named Abram, and it's not apparent or clear where Abraham should go yet. However, we know that at least God pushed him into a certain direction because God just simply said in verse 1, Go out from thy father's house unto a land that I will what? Show thee. So look, Abraham kind of had a general direction of where God wanted him to go. And we're going to come back to these verses, but first let's keep reading. Verse 5. 
And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sechem, unto the place of Moreh, and the Canaanite was then in the land. So today as you read this, we know that the land of Canaan is the land and was the land of promise that would be given to Abraham and his children eventually. But when Abraham went there and he arrived there, the Bible doesn't give us any indication that God had revealed this to him yet. He just said, go in that general direction. So Abraham, he went there and then we read this in verse 7. And the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. So at the very beginning, God comes to Abraham and says, Look, Abraham, I want you to go. And he pushes him in a general direction. He doesn't just go, go wherever you want. He does push him in a general direction. And we know because he arrives here at Canaan and the surrounding area. And it is only right there in verse 7 that the Bible says that God said to Abraham, I'm going to give you this land. You see that? So before he didn't know that, at least the Bible seems to indicate that he didn't know this. And we see this in Hebrews 11. It says that he went out not knowing where he was going. So you got to understand this. When God first comes to Abraham, it's just like the dialogue that God would have with Noah that we studied last week. So he comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave your place of comfort. I want you to leave your home. And Abraham says, okay. So he starts packing. And by and by, his friends come and ask, Abraham, what are you doing? Are you spring cleaning? Of course he wasn't. He was packing and he was leaving. Okay, um, to leave? Why? Where? Why? What, what? Well, God told me. He said he's going to give me a whole land, not just this little house that I have, but he's going to give me a land and he's going to bless me. Okay, Abraham, where are you going? What would be Abraham's answer? What would his response be to his friends that would come and ask him, Abraham, so God told you to go. All right, we know you're a man of God and um, surely God showed you where, right? No, I don't know where I'm going. At this point in time, when Abraham answers that question, you're probably doubting whether it was really God that asked him. Do you see that? Abraham left not knowing where he was going, but he knew that God was the one that told him to go. You see that? So, at this time, you're probably thinking, Abraham, are you sure it's God? Have you lost your mind? You know, you don't know where, but you sure that was God? You see, friends, sometimes, just like we saw in Noah's day too, sometimes following God seems a little extreme, doesn't it? Why? 
because God doesn't give you always the end plan. And we're going to see even more that he didn't do this with Abraham, but his faith brought him and helped him to see the end result. But God was pretty clear with three things that we read in the beginning of Genesis chapter 12. But remember, it was God that said this. Remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So God comes to him and says, Abraham, I want you to leave. The command was clear. But there were three things, you see. The first was the command. Leave your country, your family, your father's house. And not, not like his wife or, you know, but leave behind all the things that are familiar. The command was very clear. Second, what God gave was a promise. I will make of you a great nation and make your name great. Okay? That was the promise. And thirdly, when you read Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, you will see there that God also gave a blessing. I will bless you, and in you shall all families of the earth be blessed. He gave a command, He gave a promise, and He gave a blessing. He didn't just give the command. In other words, He was saying, Abraham, in order for me to bless you, you got to leave. You gotta leave your country, your home, your land that you're familiar with, that you grew up with, your friends, in order for me to bless you. That's it. He doesn't say why. He doesn't say, um, Ur of the Chaldees, where you're staying is very wicked and uh, I can't bless you there. He just said, leave, just leave. You see that? And why would God ask him to do this? You see, friends, Ur was the ancient site of Babylon. It was a well-advanced city already. It was definitely not something like where he was going to, where he would dwell in tabernacles, which is tents. You know, can you imagine living in a tent? <laughs> I remember in Australia for, for a few, few weeks, I think, we lived in a caravan when we were transitioning from an old house uh, to a new house that we'd bought in another area of, of uh, Melbourne there. But it was not fun. He was going from a settled place where he'd grown up all his life to now roaming around in tents. And it just seemed like he's going from a good situation to something worse. It's like God is calling him to be a missionary. Do you see that? And yes, God does call people to that sometimes. In fact, many times. There are many people even today that I know that left the comforts of their homes and have gone and lived in third world countries and worked there all their lives. And they're great men and women of faith. And God calls them to that. And this was the call that came to Abraham to live a missionary life. Hebrews 11.9 says he would dwell in tabernacles in tents. His life was seemingly worse off. Can you imagine? In the day and age that we live in where we're surrounded by technology, the fact that you can listen to this proves that we are living in a very advanced age, isn't it? And God is calling you to live a worse life. But yet God says it was only then that He would bless him. Do you see that? Friends, sometimes the only way that God can bless us is if we leave our familiar place, our familiar surroundings. And you know, I grew up in Australia for 10 years. It's not all my life. I've jumped around. 
I was born in Singapore, then we moved to Malaysia for two years, and we went to England for five years, came back to Malaysia for six years, then we moved to Australia, which is where I kind of remember, where all my memories are, where all the friends that I began to gather that, were, that I grew up with, that, that's my place of familiarity, Melbourne, Australia. And um, I never thought for a minute that I'd be back here in Malaysia, you know? And I've never gone back, not because I don't want to, apart from the, ah, part of me, I don't want to go back because I always got hay fever when I was in Melbourne. I would sneeze every, for, for three, two to three months and it was horrible. So I, I, don't, I don't enjoy the cold anymore, but I know for a fact that I had to leave Australia in order for God to bless me, to be with me. And I know that now. I didn't, I didn't know that back then when I made that decision nearly 20 years ago. But I know that as I look back in my life that I had to leave my familiar surroundings. Why? There was too many temptations there, too many things that brought me back to my old life. And, and I'm not saying that Abraham was being drawn back to his old life, but we know that in order for God to bless him, he had to leave. And maybe some of you, you got to leave your countries, your familiar surroundings. You know, I speak especially to the Sabahans um, here in Malaysia. They just love the, uh, all these Sabahans and Sarawakians. They just can't wait to go back to their home. But you know, friends, maybe going back home sometimes is a mistake. I'm not saying that you shouldn't visit your parents, okay? But sometimes in order for God to bless us and to be with us and help us to be a blessing, we have to leave. And on top of that, how old was Abraham? How old was he? In verse 4 of Genesis 12, it says that he was 75 years old. I mean, if you're a young person, it's pretty easy. At worst, you just get homesick. Look, old people get homesick too, okay? But it would have been easier if he was like 20 years old, 30 years old, but now he's 75. We don't know how long he's been married for to Sarah, but he was an old man at this point. He was mature, halfway through his life at the very least, if not more. And so he was old. It, it, it would have been difficult. It would have taken a lot of faith for him to pack up and leave, not knowing where he was going. You see that? And so friends, look, remember this. Sometimes you got to leave in order for God to bless you. But let's continue. Abraham, he leaves his country. He leaves his familiar surroundings. He fulfills the command of God. And what happens next? We're still in Genesis chapter 12, okay? But you would, you would think that, now God can bless me. Now God can make of me a great nation, right? Because that's what he said at the beginning in chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. But look at verse 8. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and high on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Just a small lesson for us to remember here. Look, Abraham, he loved the Lord and he always built an altar wherever he went. And wherever he stopped and lived, that was the place he would build an altar. His relationship with God was already well-developed. 
It was something that, you know, he'd been walking with God already. Some people like Noah and people like Enoch, these men had walked with God. Abraham was walking with God already before God said, I want you to leave. Do you see that? So look, don't think that Genesis 12 is the beginning of how God builds his faith. He's walking with God already. But then what happens next? He arrives at Canaan, verse 9. And Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. And there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. Now look, anything short of faith would have brought us to this point of starting to complain. Abraham, why did you bring us all the way out here? Are you sure God's the one that brought you? Look, you said he's going to make you inherit this land, and now there's famine. There's no food for us to eat. Why, why did he go to Egypt? He should have gone back to Ur, right? But God was the one that told him to leave. He would have gone anywhere but back to Ur of the Chaldees. Do you see that? It would have been tempting for him to go back. Even when the trial came, the promise had not even been fulfilled yet and he had to leave. You see that? What a temptation. And what sort of doubt would have arisen in his heart and mind because of this, you see? And so friends, when we follow God, we've got to make sure that we go with Him all the way, that even when circumstances arrive, we've got to make sure that God led us to this point and we've got to learn to make the best of the situation. And God had a reason to bring him down into Egypt. Yes, it seems like he's a man of faith. He's following God. He arrives at Canaan. God says, Abraham, you're going to inherit this land. Now this famine comes and he has to leave and go down to Egypt. What happens? Verse 11. Genesis chapter 12, verse 11. And it came to pass when he was come near to enter into Egypt, they descended to Sarai his wife. Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. So he asked Sarah to lie. And you know, Abraham was not yet ready to be the inheritor of God's promises. It was God that brought Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees. And it was God that led him all the way into Canaan for a reason. Why? To show him that there was areas in his life that he still had to grow. So there was a test coming. And Abraham and Sarah both agreed to lie already. Friends, we've got to be careful about these small little lies because out of these things, you're going to see the impact of this. And sometimes, you know, people point to Abraham's story here, but you're really going to see the detriments to his lie, okay? But we, we many times, I'm telling you, when you continue reading, many of us, we look at it in the wrong way. We kind of give justification that this is okay, but it's not. Verse 14, And it came to pass that when Abraham was come into Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. 
and he entreated Abram well for his her sake. And he had sheep and oxen and he asses and men servants and maid servants and she asses and camels. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abraham's wife. And Pharaoh called Abraham and said, What is this that thou hast done to me? Why dost thou not tell me that she was thy wife? Why saidst thou she is my sister? So I might have taken her to me to wife. Now therefore behold thy wife, take her and go thy way. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him. And they sent him away and his wife and all that he had. Because of Abraham's lie, Pharaoh took Sarah into his house and he was ready to make her his wife. Except the Lord intervened and plagued Pharaoh. Okay, And because of this, Pharaoh found out that that was really um, Abraham's wife, that he had lied. And look, some of us, we point to this and say, hey, why did God still bless Abraham even though he lied? My point is this, friends. When you look at this closely, right, God did not, God did not, didn't. He did not bless Abraham. We point to him, oh, why did God still make him rich even though he lied? It must be okay to make these small little white lies here and there, right? Wrong. Look, what happened when Abraham lied? God plagued Pharaoh. Now, what's so wrong about that? Well, what was the promise that God gave to Abraham at the very beginning in Genesis 12? He says, I want to bless you. This was the blessing, but he didn't just stop there. He didn't, the, the point of following God, and friends, you've got to remember this, the point of following God is not about the blessing. Abraham was plenty blessed in Ur of the Chaldees. Do you understand that? Abraham was plenty blessed. He didn't need to leave Ur of the Chaldees to be blessed. And friends, this is a thing. It's not just about you leaving your family in order to be blessed, in order to earn your millions or your billions or whatever. It's not that. It's so that you can be a blessing. God said, I want you to leave Ur of the Chaldees so I can bless you, not just to make you rich, but so that you can be a blessing to the whole world. All nations of the world will be blessed. Question. Was Egypt blessed because of Abraham? Did you catch that? Let me ask this question again. Was Egypt and Pharaoh blessed because of Abraham's presence? No. They were cursed. Do you understand that? Look, you got to take a step back and look at this whole picture. Who cursed, uh, who, who, who plagued Pharaoh? It was God. Why? Because Abraham wasn't willing to be honest and upfront with Pharaoh. God wanted to bless Abraham so that he could be a blessing to all these heathen nations that did not know about God. But the only thing that these heathen nations, this Egyptian nation, knew about God at this point was his God is powerful and he plagues people. They didn't have any more of a desire to follow God with Abraham there. Friends, so many times we focus on the riches. Cattle, sheep, men servants, maid servants. 
that blessing was not from God. That blessing was from the devil, friends. Do you understand that? God did not send Abraham down to Egypt to make him rich. God sent the famine in Canaan and he went into Egypt so that Abraham could be a blessing, a witness. But when he arrives there, because he was not faithful to God, he became a curse instead. And look what happened at the very end, verse 20. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away and his wife and all that he had. Abraham, get out of my place. You are bad luck. That's what Pharaoh was thinking. Many of us were, we're many of us, all of God's children are called to be a blessing, not a curse. And yet here we turn the blessing into a curse. Yeah, Abraham, he came up with great riches, but that was not the purpose of God. You see, friends, Christians can actually become a curse to the world when we are unfaithful and disobey and distrust God in these little areas of life. God was one that led Abraham down there but yet he didn't trust God enough that God would protect him. He trusted him enough to come out of the land of the Chaldees, but then he faltered in this area. And friends, this is what happens when God's people are unfaithful. We become a curse to the world and we make God look worse. We put people off with our Christianity. Did you ever think that your lie doesn't hurt you but hurts others? You are not justified in lying just because you got away with it and God seemed to bless you. You're not justified in it when, when you break the Sabbath for one exam just so that you can help more people to become a doctor so you can pass this exam. No, you become a greater curse. Well, 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 hey, you might not see it. It's just that we have the curtain drawn back here that we actually see what's happening to this nation because of one man's unfaithfulness. When a blessing becomes a curse. Oh, friends, God was testing Abraham. And needless to say, he had much to grow in the area of his faith. He had left his country which was a great step in faith already. But he showed Abraham that there was still more room to grow. And guess what? He could not do that back in Ur of the Chaldees. He didn't have to tell. He didn't have to lie to anybody back in Ur. Everybody knew that that was his wife. Do you see that? God brought him out to be a blessing. But before he could be a blessing, God had to show him, you got to trust me with all your heart. And you know, friends, this story here, this section here, it just highlights the grace of God. That even though he, he had this momentary lapses in his faith, God still did not cast him off. He came out rich man. And, you know, there's not a single perfect person here on this earth. And when you commit your life to Christ, you're not going to be perfect forever. But sometimes God orchestrates those events and helps us to see our great need. And yet, even though we fall, he doesn't cast us off entirely, you know. And so, you know, many of us, we strive to be rich like Abraham, but he didn't do it God's way, at least not in this first sense, you know. 
And so look, it was God that sent the famine. It was probably God that got Abraham to go down to Egypt. And then God stood back to see what Abraham would do. But there's something that we can learn from this as we conclude this section and this story here this evening. Genesis 13 verses 1 to 4. Genesis 13 verses 1 to 4. This is what the Bible says. And Abraham went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had and lot with him into the south. And Abraham was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel, even unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai, unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Friends, in spite of what had happened, even then when he was cast out of Egypt, asked to leave, and he went back to Canaan there, the first thing that he did was call upon God. Even when he failed, he came back running to God. Even though he had faltered, he didn't let the riches get in the way. That would have been verse 3 or 2, and then, but yet it came to verse 4, and the first thing that Abraham did was set up that altar and worship God. And probably the first thing he did was confess his sin and renew his commitment back to God, you know, just to make sure that God was with him. And it was a reminder of what he had left behind and why he was here in the land of Canaan. You know, when we look at Abraham's faith and we consider him the father of faith, we know about his lie. But we forget the, the big picture as to why God called each and every one of us. God does want to bless you. He doesn't want you to go hungry. He'll give you your bread and your water. He'll provide for you. When you seek Him, all these things will be added unto you. You know, we, we like these promises of God take care of me, God watch over me, God look out for me, God bless me. But we forget the reason why He blesses us. You understand that? We forget the reason why He gives us these blessings so that we can be a blessing. You know, our house here is not a very big house. It's three three rooms and we just got this is where I'm recording is actually a storeroom and it was converted into my office my wife was gracious enough for to give me the office uh, the storeroom to be an office and we've tried to figure out where to put all our other things in this house God has blessed me wonderfully with this house and um, my wife she constantly reminds me you know and I have to be reminded all the time as well that these blessings are not given so that I can have a more comfortable life these blessings are given so that people can stay. You know? And so I'm constantly reminded about this when we buy our couch. We've got to make sure that it's a washable couch because we know that we're going to have lots of people over and we're going to have people eat there and things will get spilled. It's okay. We just go wash it. We, we think about these things. We don't think about what's the most comfortable couch that I can buy with my budget. You see, your thinking is different when you realize that God blesses you so that you can be a blessing. You think about how you can be the greatest blessing so that you don't, you don't look at people sitting on your couch and uh, you get worried that they're going to dirty your couch. And so uh, next time we better not have so many people over. Next time we've got to make sure we have house rules that they can't eat there. Next time, you know, 
we, we don't make such rules because we're so worried about people damaging our things. Of course, we should take care of our items and not just throw it around and not care about it. But you've got to remember that whatever God has given to you, use it as a blessing. Not just to earn money and that's it. But look at the, the possessions that God has given to you and ask, God, how can with what I have been blessed with from you to be a blessing back to the world? So that you don't get so caught up in self and so get caught up in, in these things that when, when something happens to your house or your couch or your table or, or whatever it is that you have, that you get so upset and you tell yourself, I'm never having people over ever again. Do you, do you understand that? The blessings that God has given to you bless others. You have a car, sure it's new, whatever it is, but don't, don't get so upset that you know, you know that you're so scared of people making your car smell like B.O. that you can't have sweaty people in your car. You understand what I mean? Just go wash it after that. Clean it after that. When you realize that what God has given to you is to be a blessing, it gives you a different mindset. Lying then is not even an option. Do you see that, friends? God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. And it's possible, friends, it's possible to turn that blessing into a great curse. Has God led you here to KL? Has God led you to the place where He wants you to be? You know, in spite of whatever you're going through, Put aside your stresses, put aside all the trials, put aside all the bad things that have happened to you since you got there. Go back to the very beginning when you first arrived. Was it clear that God led you there? And if He did, make sure you're faithful even in the little things. Because if you're not, you become a great curse to your family to others, but especially to God. God did not throw Abraham off and say, I can't believe you did that. With all that I've done for you, you can't be my representative anymore. No. I believe that Abraham repented. He had still ways to grow, as we all do. But we've got to remember, faithfulness in these little things matter much. We got to learn to depend upon the Word of God with all that we have and not think that we have to take circumstances into our own hands because of God. If God brought you there, if you're faithful, not only will He bless you, but He'll bless everyone around you. Yes, the heathen, the Egyptians, your non-Adventist, non-Christian believing parents. Do you see that? He bless your neighbors. He bless those that don't know about God. That's the reason why He wants to bless you so badly. Not to make you have a comfortable life. Not to make you so that you, you don't have to have a care or, the, or worry about in the world. And we shouldn't have because all these things will be added to us. But He wants to bless you today in order for us to receive that blessing, we got to learn to live by faith.
even in the little areas of life. Friends, where has God brought you to today? And more than that, have you been faithful to Him? If you're not, you've been shortchanging God's blessings, not just on everyone else, but on you as well. Riches can become a curse and not a blessing, friends. And so let's not look at it from the worldly perspective this evening. Let's ask God to guide us again. Let's build our altar and come back and say, God, I've left you. Forgive me. I've forgotten the reason why you brought me here. But tonight, I want to recommit my life to you again. And look at how not only are you going to bless me, but how I can be a blessing to everybody else. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, you desire to bless your children so much. You desire to show the whole world that you're, you're a real God. But too often, we as your children, we don't act like your children at all. Please forgive us, Lord, and help us to be faithful to you. Help us, Lord, that we might rise up and be counted and stand counted as your children today so that we can be a blessing to the whole world because so many people are looking for answers and they have no hope, Lord. Help us to be that messenger of hope tonight. Only as we are faithful to you, though. So, Lord, please guide us and help us in the areas that we're struggling in areas that we thought were non-essential, in areas we thought that was just a white, it was just a small lie, God. It wasn't big. Help us, Father, to follow you all the way and not to take the situation into our own hands. And so, Lord, please fill us with your word. Fill us with faith to trust you in the very situation that we're going through right now. And even in our own foolishness, if we got ourselves into that difficult situation, Lord, by your grace, lead us out of it as well. I know that you won't forsake us if we turn our eyes back to thee, O Lord. And so we recommit our lives to you tonight. Please, Lord, take our hearts. We cannot give it. Keep it pure for us, for we cannot keep it pure for thee. And save us in spite of our weak and Christ-like self, Lord. Please help us today is our earnest plea in prayer. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.